We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's another episode of Lock It Up with Kurtz here on KCSN. I am John Kurtz, joined by Aaron Lockett, former K-State wide receiver. Unfortunately, we are talking a loss today. K-State loses in Stillwater. It was a frustrating game. It was a game in which K-State really had moments of being pretty far behind the Cowboys, both offensively and defensively. We're certainly going to break all of that down. The storyline this week now turns into, is Skylar Thompson going to come back? What's going on at quarterback? And I, I certainly have some thoughts there. So we have a lot of ground to cover here on the show today. I, I do want to mention first, look, if you are, if you're still a little upset about what happened in Stillwater, I certainly am. That was not a fun drive back <laughs> on Sunday. Okay. Uh, I could have used a little 360 vodka cocktail to, uh, to help me out. Uh, that definitely would have taken some of the sting out of what happened. And so, you know, look, if you're, if you're rewatching the game, if you're thinking about big 12 championship hopes going down the drain in Stillwater, whatever it might be, look, just grab a 360 vodka cocktail 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery, they're great folks, uh, and they help bring this podcast to you every single week. Whether it's craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions, 360 has your drink of choice covered. It's the only vodka responsible enough to carry the world on its shoulders. And look, to be honest, if, if you're like me, and like I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this, and you're a Chiefs fan and a K-State fan, just double down on it, man. I mean, just just go double double time on the 360 Vodka. It was, it was a rough, <laughs> rough sports weekend, Aaron. Very rough sports weekend. Yeah, it was, you know. I, I was hoping the trip down to, to Stillwater would be a good one for us. I knew we was getting in the Big 12 play. I knew it was going to be a tough environment, a um, little tougher than I expected. Got behind the eight ball pretty quickly. Um, and right now we're not built to come from behind like that. And so I uh, wasn't too surprised on how it turned out once we got behind. But, you know, I saw some flashes there. Obviously, there's some things that we need to work on, and we'll break that down. But the second half, at least defensively, uh, gave me some hope. And so able to shut them out and – and go from there. But, yep, we we had a rough start, and we just can't start like that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, look, th this team, if they give up 31 points and a half to somebody, it's it's going to be incredibly difficult to come back from that. Just the, the offense, right now the passing game is not there uh, to, to come from behind. They can hit some things, but, you know, Chris Kleiman has been careful to reiterate after the game and then this week, you know, I was just at his press conference earlier Tuesday. You know, he said, look, we, we have to be able to run the ball, and if we can't run the ball – we lose the effectiveness of the play-action passing game. They can just stack the box, and that is 100% what happened. Uh, just giving you the, the press box view, um, 
it can be a lot different than what it is on TV. You know, I go and rewatch things on TV and it looks a lot different. But what was just so apparent from the press box was Oklahoma State said, man, we are throwing eight to ten guys in the box every yeah. single play. And we are yeah. going to play man coverage on the outside against your receiver core. We do not think you can, you are going to get separation. And we do not think you have a quarterback that can actually get the ball there accurately. And you know what? Oklahoma State, outside of basically one play that was a broken play, even to Deuce Vaughn, they were right. And, and that yeah. gamble paid off. And I think it even led to some of the offensive play calling being a little more conservative from Mike Gundy in the second half, just trying not to make the, the huge mistake. Not to take anything away from the K-State defense, but I guess we're starting there on offense. I mean, how, how much did you recognize that and see that as well, that that's what was happening from Oklahoma State? Well, I, I thought that was going to be the game plan all along, right? Deuce coming in, having strong career games back-to-back. And so for us, it was going to be a situation of can we get other people involved? And so I was really excited to see Irving get the ball, but he only got it one time, right? And so we didn't get that change of pace back that we were looking forward to. Um, obviously, we had some guys out, uh, wasn't able to use a tight end as effectively as we have in the past. Um, but then obviously, there's some 50-50 balls that, you know, on our end of it, every now and then we got to win some of those if we don't have a strong passing game. And that's kind of where we are. And so the first drive, um, I thought Will took some good shots. I thought he, you know, had man-to-man coverage and, you know, give Oklahoma State credit, you know, PBU after PBU after PBU. Like He made some really good plays. Um, but for us, um, we've got to find a way to win some of those battles just until we get an effective passing game to where it's not a 50-50 ball. But those yards matter, moving the chain matters, keeping the ball, time of possession, all of that is what we need right now based on how our offense is structured. And so until we get those things, we'll find ourselves in some difficult situations going forward. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that first drive because I actually was very pleasantly surprised with yeah. the first drive. I mean, I thought you know, all the questions were about Will and how is he going to handle the environment being his first real true road test. And man, he put some balls on the money. And I think you said it like at some point your receivers are going to have to go make some plays and or get just create more separation. But the, the problem was. In hindsight, now knowing what Chris Kleiman told us after the game, that first drive, the third down, the it would, I can't remember if it was third and goal or it was close to, but the final mm-hmm. third down before they kicked the field goal, um, he's trying to throw a crossing route. A block gets missed, and and Will just gets smashed. And on that play, he was shaken up and hurt, and uh. they determined after that that he couldn't, he wasn't physically fit enough to to do quarterback run game. So right. at that point, they basically went with Jaron Lewis for most of the rest of the game. Will played a little bit after that, but they figured out pretty quickly and after halftime in particular that he was not going to be able to handle the quarterback run game, which was a big part of that first drive and a big part of how they moved the ball a lot against Oklahoma State last year when Will had over 100 yards rushing against the Cowboys. So that took a lot away. And then at that point, you're, you're down to your third string quarterback. And Chris Kleiman said they were afraid to run him just because they didn't want to get to Jake Rubley, who would have been the next guy down on the list who's very young and green and has been hurt so they were really in a tight spot and that limited that handcuffed a lot of what they could do offensively throughout much of the game yeah i mean if you think about it when you become one-dimensional whether you're playing video games or playing real football um defensively you're going to stack the box right and you're going to sit there and rush as many people as you can let them play man to man until you can show me that you can get separation and or make those those 50 50 balls I'm going to test my luck. And that's kind of what Oklahoma State was doing. And they started getting advantage on that. They started winning on field position. And then defensively, they just got ahead of the game, right? Field position, tough running back, quarterback got it, crowd behind them. And it just got to a situation where you just felt it rolling. We were just trying to really get out the half. That was really just all we were trying to do. And once we got out the half, I think we settled down a little bit. 
But once again, now we don't have that opportunity to stretch the field deep throwing the football. Um, they know Deuce is coming with the running game. And so for us, it was going to be hard to make up that differential point wise in order to get back into the game. But second half, I was just really looking for some guys to step up just to say, okay, what can you use from the rest of this game to transition to the next game? Because believe it or not, here we are. You've got a top five matchup with Oklahoma. You've got an opportunity to once again, quote unquote, shock the world. You've done it historically. So you understand what's coming. And so a win here um, will really erase everything that happened last week. And that's why you got to make sure that you continue to play those games out so you can build that confidence for that next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have a huge opportunity here and they've proven that they can do it two years in a row. You know, when you look at I We'll get to the quarterback thing. I don't 100% know who's going to be playing quarterback for K-State. I still have a hunch that it's going to be Skylar Thompson um, that does take the snaps at quarterback for K-State. But either way, you do need to find a way to generate more offense. I Scheme-wise, Chris Kleiman said today, hey, we've got to do a better job. Uh, coaches is getting these receivers open. I mean, from from your vantage point, Aaron, like how much can be done scheme wise to try and like scheme guys open more so than than what's happening right now you know one of the things that that we would do when i played is just when you find mismatches and opportunities it's all about motion and so if you put some guys in motion that really quickly identifies whether a zone or man for the quarterback gives them gives them some insight to what play is being called but also naturally when you come in motion the db is not going to come jam you right and so because if they miss you they're whiffing they're gone and so when you when they back up, that gives you an opportunity to come in motion, run the under routes, run the come in motion, run the out routes. Just start doing a little bit of motion just to open up the offense a little bit. If you just sit there and, and stand still as a receiver, unless you beat them one on one, you're not going to win. And so you need a little bit of help scheme wise to do that. And then you got to start putting some guys in positions to where once again, you know, if I, if I'm looking at Knowles. Knowles is a big shot guy, right? He's going to go out there and make some of those plays. We've got to continue to give him chances to make those plays, and then he's going to start coming down with some of those plays, and then we start moving the chains, right? And so it's okay if you're not getting a separation. You just got to get the – you got to high point those one-on-one balls, and you got to win some of those matchups, right? And so those are some of the things that we weren't able to do against Oklahoma State, but we've shown that we can do it in the past. And so I think that that's still an opportunity for us. Hopefully we get the tight end back. That gives us an opportunity to stretch the middle of the field there. And then we've got to use Deuce. we got to figure out the way to get some screens. We, we can't just run him up the middle, right? As effective as he can be, when it, when they know it's coming, it's going to be hard for him to get those yards that we expect him to get. Glad you bring that up because look at the success Oklahoma State had with the screen game. I mean, yeah. they, they really it started from the first play, literally the first play of the, the game offensively for Oklahoma State. A screen that worked beautifully and popped off for 52 yards, and it happened three or four times throughout the game where they – they just had some really well-placed screens. And it almost felt to me like at some points in the game, I even looked uh, to the guy next to me in the press box, Derek Young from K-State Online, and I was like, we were both talking like, do they do they need to work on like disguising the, the signals here? I mean, it felt like <laughs> every single – Oklahoma State had these well-placed screens where it just right into the blitz, uh, perfectly executed, perfectly designed, perfectly called. Yeah. And those were some of the biggest plays of the game. It just felt like Oklahoma State kind of had – K-State's number in particular, obviously, in the first half with what they were trying to do offensively. Yeah, I mean, defensively, you know, we gave up a lot of short passes, right? And so, but that was chain movers, right? They consistently figured out how to, how to, to hit the 10-yard stops, the 10-yard outs. Like, those routes started to hurt us long-term because they were building confidence. And you can see that starting to happen. And then they would hit us with a draw play and then with a screen play. And they just had – we were just off balance. And it was just – if you were watching the game or you were or you were at the game, it just felt like, oh, God. Are we this bad? And it was just a situation where things were just starting to snowball. And so, like I said, our goal was really just to get to halftime. Um, 
if you look at the second half, right, Ben don't break defense. And that's what I really appreciated about Kansas State, Kansas State that we made those adjustments. And so um, you saw Jay Mack come up there and make a couple of big plays on, uh, on the tight end and starting to rock those guys. And so I think they have some pride there. And I think they know they didn't play as well as they should have played, um, regardless of what offense is doing to you. But defensively, they started off slow, right? And obviously the fumble early in the game in the end zone doesn't help. No. Um, and so it's just it's a snowball effect. Right. And so we just got behind pretty quickly. But, you know, if you continue us, if you keep us within a one score game, I feel pretty confident in how our offense is structured today. If we're down 14 points, it gets a little bit scary because we start pressing and throwing a deep ball is not just, uh, you know, the good thing for us right now. And so it'll be interesting to see what can we do to control the game. We've always talked about that. Controlling the game is the biggest thing for Kansas State because we don't have a quarterback right now that we feel has been in the system long enough to where he can make all of the checks and all the adjustments and go out there. He's still young, right? He's still a year and a half in. And so it's a, it's a major difference between Skyler's experience and Will's experience. And because of that, you've got to make sure all the other facets of the game fall into play. And that's around turnovers and field position and, and continue to move the chains and keeping the defense off the field. Well, it's a it's a really fair point to bring up the fumble because it, to me that if, that was basically the game uh, right yeah. there. You know, I mean, things are. It felt to me like the defense came out a little bit flat, and the offense was then having the injury issue with with Will. So now your offense is limited, and I, I get why Malik Knowles wanted to take that ball out of the end zone one hundred percent. I mean, he had just taken one back with this phenomenal return for a touchdown, but only getting the ball out to the seven. Okay, now you have some pressure there. And then it's a it's a snap that's I mean it's iffy it probably was catchable but it wasn't the best in the world and bam just like that it turns into uh, a turnover a touchdown three points that you can't be given up the place is rocking uh, you have no momentum at that point and so I think that may have contributed to some of the defensive struggles where it's like everybody was just knocked back on their heels they clearly I mean, look they did not look like the unit that was flying around everywhere making hits the first three weeks of the season even from the get go. But that definitely affected it. And then compound that with, you know, I mean, Daniel Green, who's been maybe your best defender. Yeah. He's thrown out for another pretty borderline iffy targeting call. And now you're without him. You know you're going to be without him for the rest of the game. So there was just – there was a lot working against them. And it seemed like once the defense got into the locker room, had a chance to regroup, uh, they came out in the second half and, and were fine, more than fine. And they were doing that again without Daniel Green. Yeah. You know, as a as a returner, I understand what Knowles was thinking. Right. You took one to the house and was like, this, this is my game. Like, it's my time to shine. And obviously, if we're not moving the ball, this is what I'm here to do. And so um, I understand it. Right. And so honestly, when you take the ball from that deep in the end zone, sometimes those are the easiest ones to make. If you if you make the first game, uh, first person miss, everybody's so out of position that you can hit the crease and you can get vertical, you know. And so. Obviously, other times what happens is you get stuck behind the 20 and then it's like, oh, maybe I should have taken the knee. And so I don't blame him for that. But what I do blame Kansas State for overall and what can't happen is just the back to back mistakes. Right. And so yeah. if you have one that happens, then everybody else has to make sure that we can't have a compounding mistake right behind that. And so I think those two together put us in a tough situation. If anyone was independent, maybe it's a little bit of a different story, but ultimately turnovers across the board just hurt. Right. And so. If you fumble the ball, that's okay if you can get back over it. But when you lose the ball in in and you're in your own possession, uh, that makes it hard to recover. And then once again, the defense was just like, you know, mm, we just gave up seven points that quickly, you know. And so it's hard when you think about it from that aspect. But I understand it from a returner standpoint is that, hey, 
we need a field position. We, we weren't moving the ball very well. And um, that was an opportunity he was willing to take. And so I support that. Well, I asked this mainly just out of genuine curiosity, not necessarily relative to this situation, but the, the guy, the second return man who's deep there, you know, the one that you'll always see, like, you know, putting his hands up, like, hey, stop, stop. Like, what what is the dynamic there typically? Are you like coached to 100% of the time, respect what that guy is telling you, or can you, can you still pop it out there and be okay, even if you're you're disagreeing with what that guy's saying? You're, you're uh, from when I played, you listen to him, right? Obviously, um, but he's supposed to come in your face, hands up, stop, unless you, and if you run past him, it's very obvious that, that you weren't listening, right? And so, it's one of those scenarios where, uh, yeah, if it's if it's deep in the end zone, most of the time the guy comes over and just and holds you up, you know. But if the guy takes off and blocks the back end coming, um, then it, it's fair game. But but ideally, between those two, they should communicate to figure out should it come out, and if one person is making a mistake, maybe the other one can hold them in. What do you think? You know, a lot of people are talking about these targeting calls. We've seen two of them now against Daniel Green, and it's just so tough, man. I mean, yeah. you know, Sanders is like. He's kind of ducking his head, right? You know, we I feel like we see this every weekend in college football or the NFL, like ball carrier ducks his head. And so that makes it look worse. And from one angle, it looked like, okay, I can see the targeting from another, right. you know, that like all 22 kind of view. It, it didn't really look bad at all. I don't know. And both of those on Daniel Green have kind of been that same way. Where, where do you fall on what's happening? I mean, it's, it's impacting the game tremendously, right? And so – I'm okay if they want to call it targeting. I'm not okay if they want to kick you out the game, right? It's different if they say targeting, you need to set out a minimum of five plays or two series or whatever it is, right? Or for the rest of that quarter, maybe that would be something that you can consider, right? And so the timing of the targeting is always going to have an impact. But when you eliminate somebody within the first, you know, first quarter of a game and they're out for the, that's just deflating to the defense. And so for that, I think it should be you're eliminated for the rest of the quarter. Um, but once again, it's a live runner. And so when you think about that, defensively, what are they supposed to do, right? Even if you want to put, you know, the top of your head right in their shoulder pads, if they duck their head, there's a strong chance you're going to hit their helmet. And so you never know with the quarterbacks or the runners with the ball, are they going to go down easily? Are they going to turn and try to run up? You know, a lot of them are going towards out of bounds, and then they'll try to get one last jolt up, up, up the field and put their head down. And so I think it's putting the defense in a real tough situation, but I don't agree with uh, kicking them out the game. I think that's a little bit harsh defensively. Yeah, especially, you know, I mean, look, there are I, I don't know what the perfect solution is, and we could talk about this all day, but if it's someone that's clearly intent is so subjective, but yep. if you can tell that the intent is very much malicious, then like, okay, if you want to kick a guy out of the game for that, but you know, if we could just use some common sense, like I feel like you could apply some common sense to looking at the replay and being like, all right, well, this isn't like what you said, this isn't a situation where we need to toss the guy, let's just have it be the rest of the quarter or a series or two series whatever it might be. So I don't, there, there's, there's no ideal world. There's no ideal solution. And I'm all for player safety, by the way, like I understand why it's happening, but uh, it is frustrating because you know that that definitely impacts the game and certainly has for K-State. And that's why, I mean, Chris Kleiman's response was basically like, look, I haven't, this was after the game. He said like, I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but we just can't be losing Daniel Green. So we, yeah. we've got to work with him on keeping his head up. Like whatever it's going to be, we need to adjust no matter if you agree with it or disagree, because the, the rule that's is true. there. It's in place, and you can't be losing him. He's so important to the defense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's subjective, but, you know, once again, that's that's where the game is today, and so you've got to adjust and make sure that you stay um, within the game because, you know, he's too big of a piece on defense for us to lose. Um, one is a leader and two with his physical traits, and so that's just something that we've got to be smarter about 
Um, and like I said, if you got to go for his legs, go for his legs, whatever it takes to stay within the game. Um, but, you know, moving forward to this week, um, excited to play against Oklahoma, right? It's another opportunity for us to show the world that K-State is relevant. Because if you think about it, most people look at K-State as, oh, average team, uh, and they may win a big game, right? And so it's nice for us to put that consistency stamp on it against those top-tier teams where we play extremely well. And so um, will Scholar be back? I don't know, right? But at least I hope that he's he's available if needed to run a couple of plays just to loosen up the defense so they're not just all sitting there with the front seven. But I can tell you right now, OU's chopping at the lips. They're coming in full force. They're looking to embarrass Kansas State, right? Because they're trying to get to the national title and Kansas State's in their way. And so for me, um, I'm looking for these guys to step up. And I'm looking for these guys to take on a challenge and look to go out there and make a statement. Yeah, and look, I mean, Oklahoma, you can imagine K-State has their full attention. I would also add, I hope that Skylar Thompson, I mean, he'll be there in some form or fashion. And I hope that no no matter whether or not he's playing, uh, his mere presence continues to be the kryptonite for Oklahoma. Because, I mean, he really is uh, Oklahoma's kryptonite with what he's done to them each of the last two years. The the update that I can give you on Skylar and his status right now is just that so Chris Kleiman did say today publicly at the press conference on Tuesday, he said it's unlikely. He called him doubtful for the game. I, I do have a lot of reason to believe that this is K-State playing coy and playing some kind of Bill Snyder-esque games here <laughs> going on because I'll, I'll trace it back to last week. So last Thursday, we got Courtney Messingham, K-State's offensive coordinator, and he had said that Skyler was moving around and throwing the ball well at practice. So he, he was practicing last week. And then before the game, they had him go out and warm up and, and throw the ball. And he's not just throwing like he's moving around, right? He's, he's doing what quarterbacks would typically be doing in warmups. Now he has a knee brace on, but he, he looked good. He looked fluid. He was moving and throwing the ball well. Then after the game, Kleiman was asked about him, and he very specifically said, well, we don't know when he'll be ready. Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. He, he listed off like four dates, but very purposely left out next week. And so I was already like, okay, I mean – He's practicing. You guys are having him warm up, and then you're purposely going out of your way to leave that week. Um, and last year, when Skyler first got hurt, they were leading up to the TCU game, like, ah, oh, we don't know if he'll play. We don't know. We don't know. And then after the game, it was like, okay, yeah, he's out for the year. So they played some games with this before. I can understand why you would do it. Certainly, I think we all understood why Bill Snyder would do it. So I still have my suspicions that Skyler is going to play, even though we've heard that today from Chris Kleiman. But no matter what, I mean, they – they're all banged up. Like Will Howard is also beat up and not practicing much right now. They, they, Kleiman was basically like, look, he's likely to play. Skyler's doubtful. One way or the other, I mean, they need to figure something out and figure out how to move the ball, whether it's going to be Skyler or, or Will or Jaron, if, if Jaron has to be the guy again. Yeah. No, I'll tell you in the sports world, 96 hours is a long time, right? And so it's Tuesday, right? And so if you think about it, there's a lot can happen between now. And, and Saturday based on how somebody feels, based on how they're feeling and, and what the thoughts are. And so I don't think we'll get a definitive answer until Thursday evening, early Friday morning on, okay, what's the reality of it? Um, but what we have to do is we got to get some more speed out there, right? And so we've got to get Irvin out there. We've got to get Deuce going. We've got to get them. I keep saying it. We've got to get them in open spaces because they're dynamic, right? But the problem is you've got to keep the defense honest, right? And so we've got to run some up the middle just to make sure those backers are sitting up in there. But um, from watching OU play, I mean, their front four, they're coming with some pressure and they're some big boys, right? And so I yeah. think that if we can hit some of those creases and gaps, 
Um, but once again, we've got to figure out a way to offensively scheme them and keep them off keel. And so whether that's motion screens, um, you know, five yard out routes, whatever you can do to move the chains and keep the ball out of OU's hands, I think that gives us a better chance to be effective. That's the interesting part about Oklahoma, their defense. And I was just talking to somebody that, that covers Oklahoma today. Their defense has been pretty good um, yeah. outside of the Tulane game. They did have some struggles against Tulane in the season opener, but their, their defense has been pretty good since then. Oklahoma fans right now have a problem with their offense where <laughs> everybody has expected this to be the next incarnation of Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. Right. Uh, the thing is, you look back at those three. Now, I, I understand Monday Night Football notwithstanding, it's it, Jalen Hurts' star isn't really shining super bright right now, but they're all three starting NFL quarterbacks, and we're all oh, Heisman yeah. finalists or Heisman winners. So I think there's a lot of pressure and expectation on Spencer Rattler, and he hasn't been up to that level. But I, I still very much respect the Oklahoma offense and the weapons that they do have. I mean, these kids, you know, Rattler was, according to some, the best quarterback in his class. His backup was the best quarterback in his class. They have two receivers that were the best receiver in their class, according to one of the major recruiting services. So, I mean, like th there are there are weapons. I almost said Rodney Anderson. It's Kennedy Brooks that's the running back now, and he's also very good. So, Oklahoma, you know, I mean, we basically know the book on them. Uh, they may not be at the elite, like hyper elite level that they have been at for the last three or four years, but they're still a very good offense, and they have a defense that is looking like it's improved. They have the talent. Um Marvin Mims is a heck of a receiver. Um, uh, Hazelwood is a really good receiver, um, yeah. bigger than what most people think. Um, Stoger, the, the 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 tight end, exceptional. Uh, and then the freshman they have out of Florida, the other re receiver, um, he's exceptional. They have talent, right? And so it's going to be scary when they put it together. And so for us, we've got to continue to do whatever it takes to keep them, you know, um, off scale. But right now, the talent is there. They just haven't been able to put it together the way people have expected, right? But defensively, they've, they've kept themselves in the game. Their secondary is good. Like I said, their front seven is incredible. Um, the pressure they bring is just ridiculous. And so um, I sat there and watched them play, and, and they'll spy a quarterback if they need to. Um, they have that type of talent, and they'll sit there and they'll rush everybody. And so for us, we've got to figure out a way to move the chains. we got to be methodical. We can't go big shot for big shot with them. I don't think that's going to work. And so for us, we've got to figure out, how do we get the tight end involved? How do we win some of the matchups? And then how do we get Deuce and Urban in space? Yeah, I mean, the uh, possession, like time of possession, dominating that. I know sometimes that can be kind of a tired storyline with, with K-State, but that is hey. that is sort of the recipe uh, to, to beat a team like Oklahoma. And it was pointed out to me today, the last two games for, for OU against um, Nebraska and West Virginia, where their offenses kind of sputtered. They've only had eight or nine possessions in, in each of those two games, whereas, you know, you think of the classic Oklahoma offenses, 11, 12, 13 offensive right. positions per game. So it, it was. It was an ability to kind of grind it out and keep the ball out of Spencer Rattler's hands that, that really helped. And that's that's certainly been a piece of the formula uh, for K-State over the last two years in, in beating Oklahoma as well. So I, I do definitely think that you have to embrace that and also embrace the fact that, look, you have beaten them two years in a row. I mean, there are a lot of teams that Oklahoma being sluggish or not would line up and be a little bit taken aback in awe of the, the OU on the helmet, the, the crimson and cream and the logo and the band and Boomer Sooner, everything that comes with it, right? But this team should not be in any way, shape, or form. And even if they fall behind early in the game, last year they were down by 21 on two different occasions in that game and still came back to beat Oklahoma. So, like, it, it does not – I mean, K-State should have any kind of – 
mental edge that they need in this game because so many of those guys have been on the field for each of the last two years and what's happened. Yeah, I, I can tell you playing um, playing at home makes a difference, right? It just does. And so for us, I think getting away from Stillwater, getting back into our environment, having a big time top five team coming into uh, Manhattan, Kansas, 230 game, it's all you can ask for. And so uh, Oklahoma State games behind you. Here's another chance to get back on the horse immediately and see what you can do. And so I think for us, those guys should be pumped up, ready to go, ready to look at the film and say, okay, what mistakes did we make against Oklahoma State? What did we give up? Maybe it was a play here and there. And see, how can you correct that against Oklahoma? And so if they can go out here and make some of these changes, stay competitive, and then give us a chance to win at the end, you never know what can happen. Yeah, look, I mean, I feel – I'll just put it this way. I feel way better – about the chances of K-State winning this game that I did last year going into that game or yep. two years ago going into that game because it just felt very daunting. You were going up against these uh, elite offenses that were putting out and performing at that point in time, and you just didn't feel as good. I mean, last year K-State was coming off of the Arkansas State loss when they went to Norman, and I'm sitting here thinking and, – and they had COVID issues, and I'm sitting here thinking like, man – kind of hope this game gets COVID canceled because I'm worried about <laughs> what's going to happen here. I, K-State was missing a lot of guys in the secondary, and that was the game where we saw, like, the emergence of Echo Boydo. You know, I mean, a lot of yeah. players really stepped up. So I would think, especially for guys like that, they'd have to be pretty, pretty confident about it. And the, the other thing, too, is we see every week, like, college football is – it's a pretty wacky season right now. Yeah. There's a lot of upsets, and, and games are just so different from week to week. Like, I know it's easy to look at it and be like, well, the offense – couldn't move the ball at all against Oklahoma State. How do they expect to do so against Oklahoma? Well, college football is pretty different from week to week. It's a completely different game. So I, that to me also reinforces the idea that I think I think this will be a much it, it, the tail of the tape will be much different in this game than it was in Stillwater. Yeah, no. So I'm looking for the confidence once again. I think the quarterback situation for us needs to get um, settled as much as possible. I think that gives us a leg up if we understand who's going to be out there. Um, and for the rest of the guys. It's, it's now or never like, you know, you've got a, two bad games in a row doesn't work. doesn't matter what university you're playing for. And so um, I think these guys know that there's an opportunity to go out there and make a difference. They're playing against elite talent. Um, so they're playing a lot of these guys for Oklahoma will be playing in the NFL in the next couple of years. And so here's your chance to go out there and showcase not only do you belong, but maybe you're better than some of those guys. And so you need those experiences and matchups. And that's all you can ask for. And that's the joy of playing in a, in a power five conference like the Big 12. And so here we go come Saturday. You still have some some anti OU vibes from back in your day coming out of uh, forever being recruited forever <laughs> forever. I, I I think I I always want Kansas State to win in Oklahoma, and so Stillwater was a little hard one to swallow, but it's okay if we can turn around and be be competitive and win this next one. All right, I like it. Well, if you do, if K State does win, uh, definitely make sure and celebrate with some three sixty vodka. Line up your cocktails. Craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions, 360 Vodka has the hookup for you. Certainly appreciate their support here on this podcast. Aaron, uh, appreciate it once again. Any final thoughts for the people before we sign off here? You know what? I just want to see us to move the ball on offense, right? I want to see us be consistent, get the defense some rest, and so they're not back out there. I want to see us play field position. I want to see us win the special teams unit. Special teams, it would be huge. If they can get another touchdown, another big play, special teams yep. would definitely take that. All right, for Aaron Lockett, I'm John Kurtz. Much appreciate all of you guys tuning in once again this week. Go Cats. Get them this weekend against Oklahoma, and we'll talk to you next week on Lock It Up with Kurtz.